This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and a very warm welcome to the final podcast before Christmas. I'm Martin Stark and I'm joined by our panel of Saints experts to discuss another seven days supporting Southampton Football Club. We're streaming this episode of PSP Live on our Facebook and our Twitter pages and it's also on our YouTube channel. Now if you're watching live on Facebook or YouTube, you can get involved in the conversation in the comments section. Coming up this week on the podcast, reaction to the Brentford game being postponed and the current state of the Premier League fixtures. We'll look back at the draw with Crystal Palace and we'll preview a busy festive season in the league with two games to look forward to, hopefully, at West Ham on Boxing Day and then Spurs at St Mary's. Uh, first of all, let me introduce you to our regular TSP guests, just the two of them tonight. Uh, Steve Grant is the owner of Saints Web, the independent Southampton FC website. How's your week been, Steve? Yeah, it's been all right. Um, it's been slightly nervy because um, after my weekend away, a friend of mine tested positive for uh, for COVID, so I've been uh, on the lateral flows constantly all week, sort of with a view because I'm flying back out to uh, Dubai tomorrow. But fortunately, the PCR came back came back negative, so we're we're good to go. What what about the weather at the moment? Made you decide to spend Christmas and New Year in Dubai? Yeah, it's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's that's one of those. It's like the uh, the Debbie McGee question, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Glenda Lacour is the writer of League One minus ten. That's the weekly Saints blog. Did you find something to fill your Saturday afternoon with? All right, Glenn, I was worried about you for a bit. Um, yeah, I did. Can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Oh, it was just getting uh, getting the house ready for. Uh... For Christmas. Oh, we had a we had a social event that was held over from the previous week. The the um where the where the boiler was busted last week. So it was it was my dad's birthday. So we managed to see him. So we did that on uh, did that on Saturday. Other than that, this week I was supposed to go to a gig on Wednesday night at Southampton Guildhall, which was uh, the Levelers. But uh, for some reason on the Wednesday, I just me and the wife decided that we just we just didn't fancy being in a hot sweaty room with um. People singing the drink, just the one. Exactly, yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, we decided not to do that in the end, ten, 10 days before Christmas. So uh, other than that, it's just been work, so a relatively quiet week. Well, the biggest hello and thank you, of course, is reserved to our patrons, wherever you might be listening or watching this week. Welcome to episode 100. 
180 of the Total Saints podcast. This is the Total Saints podcast with Martin Stark, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Now, five Premier League games were called off on Saturday, many more in the lower leagues. Full disclosure, we're not COVID experts, we're not doctors, we're not scientists. You could question what we actually know about football, to be honest, but we are massive fans. So we're probably going to approach this discussion from a football fan's point of view more than anything. Let's start with you, Glenn. Do we play games where possible or should there be a break? Well, it's interesting. Just as the, the titles were going on, a little thing flashed up on my phone. Uh, it was a notification from The Athletic. Apparently, the clubs are going to discuss whether the games on the 28th, 29th and 30th are um, are going to take place. So it looks like, you know, there's a possibility that all the games might be, might be canned. And I, I think that's kind of the way to go. I don't like this, the, the way it's been with this round of games where some have been on, some have been off, some have been called off very, very late in the day. And um, I, I'm very, I'm very dubious as to how Premier League squads that have got 40 players in them, they can't find enough players to fulfill a fixture, at, you know, and, and call the game off at short notice. I mean, the, the worst one I heard of was the Villa against Burnley, which was called off about four hours before the kickoff, apparently, um, which is horrendous because, you know, Burnley fans will have already set off, and it's you know it's 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 time and plans and and money spent and and all that sort of stuff. But if you think that anyone really cares about about fans, then um, yeah, sorry, Cloud Cuckoo Land, they don't. That's the thing with this. Um, by the time you're listening to this podcast, it may well have changed completely, uh, maybe two or three times. What are we clear on the rules, Steve? About what what? quantifies a postponement at the moment because that seems to be the thing that that most fans are getting upset about what are the rules and and how are the Premier League dealing with these postponements well the problem is actually that by the sounds of it there are no rules Hmm. Um, the Premier League have said we will deal with every with every um, request on a case-by-case basis Um, so while they were they were reluctant but agreed to postpone a few of the games in midweek so the Brentford Man United game was was called off on so that was supposed to be played on Wednesday I think wasn't it same time as ours Hmm. Um, but was called off the day before so at least you've given you've given the traveling fans 24 hours notice that right okay it's it's not going ahead I mean it's still poor for anybody coming down from coming down from Manchester because you'll have bought you'll have paid for your trains possibly a hotel um, stay and things like that and realistically you ain't getting that money back but certainly the there's just a massive inconsistency I mean you see Chelsea putting a request in for for their game today to be postponed but Premier League rejected it the Leicester game originally was they'd they'd originally rejected the the request to to bid that one off and then um, much later on, they said, "Right now, okay, there's there's been an incre- increase in numbers, so no, that's that's going to be off as well." But there doesn't appear to be a fixed number. I think it would be useful if there was a better explanation coming from the Premier League on this. Whether whether I mean, let's let's be honest. We know that um, fans are paid lip service at the best of times, hmm. um, but they could at least give some sort of impression that they that they care for the people that are actually paying the money. Uh, through the turnstiles because they sure as sure as hell banged on about it enough um, for the nine months or so that we weren't able to go in the grounds. 
if you were in that meeting on Monday morning, Glenn, what would you be saying? What would your point be that you're putting across? Because I get the you know the case by case basis kind of makes sense when you think you only need three players to be out if it's your three goalkeepers. There's an argument there that says, all right, yeah, that's a problem. Yeah, I'd, um, I'd heard that one about the goalkeepers. Yeah. The groundsman, or you've got someone that would be keeping the bench warm at best. Um, it, it doesn't make so much sense there. So, so what would you be saying on, on Monday morning? What would you, your advice be? Well, I just think with with the integrity of the competition argument, it, it's got to be all the games or or none of them. You know, it's got to be all the games or you, or you have to try and play. I mean you know, bad choice of words perhaps, but you can have an epidemic of injuries. Saints are one at the back end of last season where we had nine players missing or whatever it was. And, you know, we're we're we had a bench full of fourteen year olds. That that's sort of not quite, but you know, you know what I mean. So you don't have a right to be able to put your best team out on the pitch all the time. But if if for fans safety primarily they decide that this round of games on the 28th 29th and 30th can't go ahead then, then that's fair enough it's just one more round of midweek games later on in the season isn't it so mm. i personally would say that with with the sort of heightened anxiety around the whole thing at the moment from a fan's point of view it's probably worth you know if there is if certainly there will be a date later on in the season when it can be fitted in that that that's what we need to do. Well, it might well end up being that. Steve, what would be the ideal outcome of any meeting for you on Monday? Um, I mean, I, I kind of, I kind of think that. I mean, it's, it just seems silly to if you're going to bin off the that second round of games after Christmas, the 28th to the 30th. Um, I mean, personally, I wouldn't have those games scheduled then anyway. No. Um, sort of looking at it from a sort of start of the season fixture list point of view, we have. While yes, it's great that we have this Christmas program where. Um, there's games on every day. Fine. String uh, stretch one round of games out over three or four days for the t- for the TV companies. That's fine. No problem with that. Don't do two because all you're doing is you're you're weakening the quality of the games. I mean, you've we've seen in in the last three or four years those games over Christmas. Um, not only are, I mean the results being unpredictable is kind of vaguely interesting to an extent, but the quality of the games has been terrible because mm. the players are. Players are on their ass. They- because, because they do two rounds of games as well, it always creates a problem because some teams have to play with one day's break, basically. Yeah. And some teams get five or six days off. And there's and, always and, and you, and you know there. which ones are going to get the biggest biggest breaks. Yeah. It sure, sure as hell won't be us. Do you think money will talk in the end, Glenn? Because I'm thinking about uh, it's Amazon, isn't it, who paid for that round of fixtures? So there's a chance. Um, Amazon they... got the Boxing Day ones. So Amazon could potentially miss out on all of their their games, and, and right, you fit them in a bit later down the year. But I guess they've paid for for those fixtures because they want people to take advantage of the sales and and stuff they might be streaming for the new year. There's a reason why Amazon have picked that round of fixtures, I guess. Um, well, money has talked all the way through this. I, I remember us discussing this at some point last year about how no competition got smaller for the sake of you know helping out with the with the pandemic and less traveling and all that stuff we've during the pandemic we've even got an additional european competition somehow with you know with this conference league which is mental um it's absolutely mental that they decided to bring that in at a time when traveling is generally not a good idea unless you're steve of course so so money does talk and that will that will form part of the discussion it, it won't just be about players and it won't just be about well it certainly won't just be about fans money will play a huge part and amazon will have their say you could argue whether they should or whether they shouldn't but at the end of the day that's the way the world works they've paid for a product they probably will be 
saying that you know looking at the viewing figures they would have got on the 27th eighth, or sorry on the you know on the original plan dates hmm. and they'll be looking at the viewing figures that they're likely to get in march or april whenever it's whenever it's replayed and uh, they will certainly have a say and uh, that's the world we live in unfortunately obviously we're talking about southampton in the premier league steve but it's gonna have a, a huge impact if we end up having to 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 miss games and play games behind closed doors in the lower league because I guess for some of the other clubs you know Boxing Day is is a huge thing I'm looking at the Spurs game and that's the first one to sell out for us that's not because we're playing Spurs I think that's because of when it is we all want to leave the house you know we're gonna clubs are gonna be in trouble again if if we end up playing behind closed doors yeah and those festive fixtures are uh, generally big attendances people get tickets for Christmas and and things like that so yeah the the clubs will have budgeted for sort of big revenues they'll have they'll have budgeted for a certain certain amount of revenue this side of this side of the new year which i mean obviously a pie and a pint isn't going to make make the difference between us possibly signing or not signing somebody in the january window but potentially the if they're if if we do end up with a um with some sort of kind of circuit breaker if um to use that horrible phrase that they've been using in the news and basically just binning off fans in grounds for for an initial couple of weeks the problem is what if it's not an initial couple of weeks? What if it ends up being extended? And then you're into the situation where actually cash flow is once again a problem. And I mean, as, as you rightly say, in the, in the lower leagues, um, it's even more acute because the vast majority of club revenue in the lower leagues comes through the turnstile. Yeah. Uh, Saint194 actually says uh, the same as you about the, um, the, the the amount of fixtures that we have at this time of year. And actually, it, it kind of is a problem that the Premier League have created for themselves. There's just no no breathing space there, is there at all? And actually, I think it was uh, Jack makes a really good point about the um, the league table. It is difficult at the moment. to Nobody wants to be looking at a league table where we've played 18 games. Someone else has been played 16 games. It, it's we're then falling behind everybody else and it i know it's not the biggest problem in the world at the moment but it you know it, it does get a bit all over the place then doesn't it it's difficult to to know where you are and, and how to plan for games if you're a Saints fan i suggest not looking at the league table anyway <laughs> <laughs> regardless of how many games each team's played on every day i just worry i guess for the fans that are going to be traveling to west ham on boxing day because that's not a great place to go there's no trains running anyway uh, you don't want to get all the way there and then find out that that's off as well so it'd be interesting to see what they say on, on monday and uh, like i said at the start of this you know we're we're not the experts. We don't really know what the answer is, but you know we're coming at it from from fans' points of view, I suppose. So um, let's talk about the one game that did go ahead, though, which seems ages ago now. Two great goals on the road at Selhurst Park, but again we threw away a lead and it finished a point apiece. Cast your mind back, gents, to to Crystal Palace. Was that a fair result, Steve? That game? Just about, I think. Certainly, I mean, it, it flip flopped quite a bit. First 10, 10 15 minutes we looked absolutely hopeless and you were thinking oh god we're in we're in a bit of trouble here but basically as soon as Edward missed that absolute sitter to put them 2-0 all of a sudden we kind of got a grip of kind of got a grip on the game a couple of couple of little runs we had that um counter-attack which Brozier started and laid it off to Smallbone Smallbone should have cut inside and and had a shot on his on his stronger right foot really but kind of snatched at it and pinged it into into the Holmesdale Ultras at the back of, at the back of the stand there but that was that was kind of the moment where we we kind of got our stuff got our stuff together got the free kick on the edge of the area not convinced there was a huge amount of uh, of contact but if you if you make a silly challenge in that part that part of the pitch then you kind of you kind of get punished for it I mean the referee didn't have a particularly good game I didn't think he was 
giving giving some really really soft things for that you kind of thought well just let that go but at the same time he was then blowing up for the same thing five minutes later so it was it was a, it was a bitty game at times but also when when he did let the game flow it was really entertaining I thought both sides both sides looking to attack and even sort of second half when we when we kind of fell back a little bit and tried to try to kind of stick with what we had um, to an extent we were still dangerous on the break and I mean, it's just kind of unfortunate that the that obviously we didn't know the Brentford game was going to be called off mm. in a sort of on the night because otherwise I'm sure Brozier and Teller would have would Stayed have played the, would have played the yeah. full ninety and actually I think in that situation we may well have gone on to win the game. Yeah, entertaining was a word that came around a lot I think in everything I heard after the game and, and read about it. But a good response after a poor start, Glenn. I mean, when we went one nil down, I just I thought, oh god, here we go. This is just going to be one of those nights. Well, that that goal, the first goal was so bad because we had the ball in a in a crossing position, basically in in the the far left corner. We were virtually on the goal line. I'm there thinking, just cross the ball into the box. You know, I do. We've got a six foot five centre forward, cross it into the box. But instead, we went backwards, lost the ball with half our team in front of the ball and two passes were one nil down. I mean, we, Palace didn't have to do anything to get to 40 yards from our goal. We did it for them. And it was, it was just, it was just horrible horrible play i mean i i do understand you know you you attack and if you've if, if you're presented with two banks of four or whatever and there's no spaces then you turn around and go backwards and you try and find another angle that's fine but we were virtually on their goal line and we still came all the way back and then lost the ball anyway so bad start but yeah i, I mean i thought yeah steve's right Ed, edward's miss was horrible if that had gone in i think we'd have probably ended up getting beat three or four nil but mm-hmm. we 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 seem to sense that th- there were goals to be had in with Palace's defence. It's just it just wasn't great. You know, Tompkins is slow. The guy they have signed from Chelsea wasn't as good as I thought he'd be. Um, he looked a bit ropey as Gurhi, is it? The, the other centre back. He he didn't look yeah. great. Joel Ward still getting games in the Premier League miraculously. And it's interesting. Prowse hasn't scored many free kicks recently, but I think a lot of teams have. They've really sussed out that if, if you don't tackle our players on the edge of the box, we're probably going to miss anyway. So they don't <laughs> tend, they don't tend to um, give us that many. We, you know, he doesn't seem to have had one from that position. You know, just to the left of centre, which, which was absolutely ideal. And it's it's great when it rips into the net. And um, Broja's goal is just it's just fantastic because for me, it's just how direct he was. Hmm. He picks the ball up, turns one touch, bang. There's no That's a there's no player in form, isn't it? That, there's that no finish. thought of anything else. There's no hmm. thought of play it out to the wing or knock it back I'm going to shoot and that's yeah it was great to go 2-1 I didn't feel we did enough second half to to warrant winning the game and yeah and the Palace's equaliser is a is a bit bizarre because obviously last year they've obviously changed the handball rule again because last year that I think that would have been disallowed for a handball in the build-up yeah yeah so I mean it's a weird weird scenario where actually in in that case the keeper is better just letting the ball go in and yeah. then the goal automatically gets disallowed for handball because the, the scorer has has um, has handled it. Whereas because Caballero's made a good save and it it falls kindly to um, Ayu to obviously score his first goal in forty seven years. Um, <laughs> it's the next phase of play, isn't it? Yeah, so. next next phase of play. So it's um, yeah. it's not disallowable. It's yeah, it's uh, it's just annoying. Um, so not what not sure it, it's all that logical either. Yeah, what if it just kind of brushed Caballero? I mean, obviously he's made a save and he's de- deflected it, so I can see that argument. But what if it had just sort of like I don't know, skimmed off the bottom of his 
shin or something and you know would it would it still account even though the ball didn't change direction i don't know it, it no just it just seems absurd to me there was but... another one today wasn't there as well i've got to say two one up at half time going into the break who had money on palace winning three two i bet you did steve i bet you were straight on the uh we're going to screw this up no i didn't actually i, I kind <laughs> of it was it was odd that we i think the the kind of the last 15 to 20 minutes in that first half was probably the most control we've had in a in a game against kind of comparative opposition. Because I think Palace are on a similar, not not too dissimilar level to us when both of us are playing well. Mm. And yet I, I never felt that we were in any particular danger in that period. Start of the second half, we were we were largely all right. But it was basically them basically throwing caution to the wind, took Koyate off and went uh, put Benteke on. So all of a sudden they've got four forwards on the pitch. And I think that kind of flummoxed us a little bit. It, it wasn't really in an organisational sense. It was more that just for whatever reason, just the ball the ball fell kindly for him a couple of times in and around the penalty area, and they were able to create. It obviously wasn't just just the the chances for the goal. Um, Edward had another one where Caballero ended up making a, a decent double save. But yeah, they they kind of created more purely by with weight of numbers in that last half an hour or so than than they had done for, for the vast majority of the first half, really. Let's talk about some of the individual performances, Glenn, because I thought Nathan Teller had a good game, looked pretty lively. Yeah, he did. He looked very confident. Um, all that's missing from his game at the moment is a goal, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. He he was... They, they I mean, I watched the, the TV coverage. They, um, they were pointing out the fact that he was kind of leading the press. He seemed to be the one who was, you know deciding when to go and when when to sort of like drop off a little bit and I, I thought he had a very good game and he um you know combined with Brozier they they seemed to cause the centre-backs all sorts of problems and and to be fair they their centre-halves weren't getting much help from their midfield either so so the two of them could drop into pockets of space and then turn and run at Palace and they, and they they seemed to sort of struggle with that so yeah it was good and uh, it was interesting to see Ralph Ralph praised the pair of them didn't he you know I I anticipated that he you know, probably at the start of the season, he thought it was going to be Shea Adams and Adam Armstrong the whole season. But it, it looks like other other alternatives are are emerging now. And um, you know, as Steve said, it's um, he obviously took them off to prepare them for the Brentford game or to keep them fresh for the Brentford game. And uh, yeah, and we ended up with what I can only describe as that front four. Yeah, uh, right. at the, at the <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a strange. I thought it was a strange insight into what could have been because and, yet, and yet with that weird front four, we we created some decent opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And then, it, it was and then, noticeably slower though. But we we talked about that last week, didn't we? About how that we might end up starting with with um, with Walcott and with Long up front, and then we ended the game. Was it last fifteen, maybe twenty minutes with them up front? And yeah, there was a, a little insight into there about what what might have been had they started. I thought Brozier, a few comments about him, and um, are we in danger, Steve, of falling in love with a lone player that's never going to stick around? Uh, do we just enjoy him while he's here? <laughs> I don't think there's much chance that we're going to be able to to do a deal if if you've got a. a player of his age that's scoring goals like he is then uh, Chelsea are going to have him back in a heartbeat surely well uh, you would think so but at the same time Chelsea have the ability to go and spend go out and spend 100 million pound next summer on on another already ready-made world-class centre forward if they needed to I mean they've already got Lukaku even though they're not really playing um, playing to his strengths at the moment I don't think Um, they've got um, Werner who is better than better than the uh, his finishing record um, in the last 18 months suggests. And they've got players like Havertz and Pulisic and, and players like that who who can play that, that role as well. 
Mm. So the question, I guess the question for Brozier is, while, yeah, I'm sure he would love to be playing in the in the Chelsea Chelsea first team next season, but is that actually realistic? No. And so from from his perspective, is it then a better opportunity to, I mean, you, I mean obviously he signed a new new contract with Chelsea as soon as he signed on loan for us. Mm. So they obviously see something in him, but that's long term. It may well be that actually we have an opportunity to get him for another year because we've, I mean, we've clearly got good relations with Chelsea now. The amount of number of transactions we're doing between the two clubs suggests that everybody's well on board and we quite like the cut of each other's jib. It's a great so, option for the players too, isn't it? Because you don't need yeah. to move. You just travel down the M3. Um, yeah, it's not far. For training and uh, you can still go out in London and, and make the most of it. So I think, yeah, another loan for another season seems like it might suit both parties, to be fair. Let's talk about Lianco then. Glenn, I thought he had a tough night against um, Zaha. He's, uh, he, he's, it was going to be a, a tough night for him, wasn't it, coming up against a player of, of his quality? Yeah, I, th- I thought I thought Lianco did okay. He's he's a little bit erratic. You can see him getting sent off at some point for clattering into something and then doing something a bit dumb. But what, what I liked about him and Salasu, you know, they're both relatively young. They're, they're both going to make mistakes occasionally. But at they weren't being passive. They were both going into challenges. They were both going into headers. They did okay. And I I've, I would have no problem with those two, you know, sort of like staying in the team and carrying on. I, I thought he did okay. He's Lianco is still getting used, obviously, to, to English football and um and the sort of different opponents that you tend to uh, you tend to find. So yeah, I mean he would you know, he'd come up against Ed, Edward is one type of striker. Benteke is another one. And he would have had, um, obviously, Zaha on his side of the pitch as well. So that's three completely different style of players to deal with. So, you know, I think I think the guy's got to be got to be given a, a bit of a break. And I think he I think he did OK. He's not one for taking a step backwards. And I, I like that about him. And, you know, we need a few. And we said before, we need a few players who are, who are going to be happy sticking their head in where it it's likely to get kicked. And, uh, you know, he copped an elbow in the face later on. He in had the a game, bloody didn't nose, he? didn't he, for a bit? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he, yeah he probably went um, went all Steve Bruce with his uh, Instagram post, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> see, see, see how fat yeah. the top of his nose was. Yeah. But um, I, 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 thought he did, I thought he did well. And, um, yeah, he, he certainly wasn't, uh, wasn't really to um, – he got – Zaha stepped inside him for the first goal, but I mean, mm. you're you're one on one with a player like Zaha. The fullback was nowhere because, as as said, we'd lost the ball. You know, behind fullbacks pushed up like they're supposed to be. So Liveramento wasn't wasn't back in because we played it backwards and then lost the ball. So I don't think you can blame him too much for the first goal. And uh, overall, I thought he did pretty well. Can we just all agree between us that we don't want to see any more of Salazu and his long throws? Um, they seem to be persevering <laughs> with that. And it, <laughs> it was like Rory Delap all over again, isn't it? Everyone used to bang on about Rory Delap and his long throw. But we never. But Delap could actually throw it. He could actually throw it. That's true. But we never scored from those either. Yeah. It, was just, it seemed fruitless. And, and, and every time he got the ball, we were like, oh, God, no. Just, this is not going not gonna to end well. See, the thing is, I've, I've got no problem with having a tactic whereby you try and exploit long throws like that. Um, when you get throw-ins down sort of in the final 20 yards of the pitch. But why on earth would you have a centre-half come over and take it? Mm. Surely you built, you work with your full-backs and, or maybe your wingers um, to work on their ability to throw the ball 30 yards um, deep into the penalty area. Because, I mean, to me, Salasu is the kind of guy you want on the end of it, not the one taking it. Um, he's good in the air. He's obviously big, big and strong and... and and does win headers. Whereas, I mean, Walker Peters would 
would ordinarily be taking throw-ins out on the left-hand side, you would think. And yet, I mean, he's what five foot five foot nine. He's not going to be winning anything in the yeah. end um, in in a in a sort of packed penalty area. So yeah, it, it I don't I don't really don't understand it. And Glenn, it was nice to see Will Smallbone back. There's a few comments in the uh, in the chat tonight about Will Smallbone. Nice big step back for him, and uh, thought he did well. Yeah, I thought he did well. He, he tired as the game went on that he was always going to do that. And it was it was the right, when they substituted him, it was the right time to do it. But as we said before, no one has really stuck their hand up in those wide areas and say, I have to be picked. You know, people have come in and done okay. And they, you know, dropped out. Someone's come in and done okay. But no, no one's really torn up any trees. And I, I thought Smallbone did pretty well. Mm. What surprised me about him is that he's, he's quite decent in the air. He seems to keep a lot of stuff alive by sort of winning headers when he gets further up the pitch and yeah I you know for for a guy's first game big injury I think he's still only about 21 years old is he Mm -hmm. um I I thought he I thought he did well and he he certainly deserves another chance and and hopefully he'll he'll get them going forward he's 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 certainly someone I'd prefer to see than uh, than some of the others we've got. Put it that way. So get him in there and see how he gets on. It does say quite a bit about the others that he was straight in the team and started on on Wednesday night. Really, the players that he leapfrogged to to get that position, um, Mm. which was great. So depending on the outcome of any meetings early next week, we might have a game against West Ham um, on Boxing Day at the London Stadium. What have you made to to their start of the season, Steve? Because that's not going to be an interesting one for us. Well, I mean, if if you'd asked me that question three weeks ago, I'd have said, oh God, they're they're looking very, very good. Mm. All of a sudden... Couple of couple of injuries. I mean, basically, their two best cent, centre halves are out um, yeah. long term, um, which has scuppered them completely. Because Dawson, I mean, Dawson's decent, but he's not the level of either Ogbonna or Zuma. Oh, God, Zuma, that's the one. And so, as a result, their their defence is coming under a lot more pressure, and they're now conceding a few more goals. While at the other end, Antonio seems to have suddenly gone off the boil, which, I mean, we know what comes next. Yep. <laughs> um, we've, we've, seen, we've, we've read this book so many times before. So, yeah, I mean, it's they're, they're a good side. Moyes has done a brilliant job there. And I think he's done it in spite of the sort of working conditions in a way, because, I mean, he's, he's managed sort of the remarkable feat of managed to making David's Golden Sullivan and to a slightly lesser extent Karen Brady keep their mouth shut which I mean has got has got to be praised praised by everybody I, I think um the the less those those three are um, you think football's probably. a better place oh yes very much so um oh, absolutely horrendous individuals it's never yeah, been no, a happy hunting ground though has it for us oh, you know we, no. we never do very well there at all no I mean it's just, first, it's first, a horrible first place to go yeah first time we went there to the new to the the new ground we we beat them very comfortably and I mean, one three nil. It could have been six or seven back in those days under the uh, under the attack minded Claude Puel. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah. But every time since, I think we've we've shipped three goals every every game. Mm. So yeah, I mean that's but that's that's a target. That is that is the target to basically not do that again. Yeah. Baby steps. We're, we'll obviously be underdogs for that game, but with with their injuries then and and some slight. Uh, form issues with their attacking players. Yeah, who knows? It's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm slightly more confident now than than as I say I, w- I would have been three or four weeks ago. Can you see us getting anything out of that, Glenn? There's nope. a chance that um, <laughs> Adam Armstrong <laughs> might come back in. Chay Adams, maybe Fraser Forster. Depends if it's too soon for for Stuart Armstrong or not. But is it going to be another three one three nil? 
West Ham, they always seem to steamroller us because they are a very physical, big, strong side, lots of athletes, and we don't seem to compete. We just seem to go into our shell and curl up in a ball and wait to get beaten. That mm. seems to be what happens whenever we play them. The absences of Bonner and Zuma are, are huge because that's two out of the spine of the team. And as we found out when we played Arsenal, you, you take the, the physically strong players out of the spine of the team and it, it does cause you all sorts of problems. So it puts more emphasis on Declan Rice to to be more defensive in midfield, which obviously helps um, if he's not supporting the attack. And as Steve said, Antonio's gone off the boil. So there is a chance. Um, they, they do have players, still have a lot of players that cause us problems usually, the likes of Bowen. Ben Rama, Lanzini, Fornells, they're all very, they're, that's their sort of number 10s, if you like, they're, they're creative players. And we always seem to struggle with their fullbacks, but I know they've had injuries at fullbacks as well. Cresswell's not been around and Sue Fallon, who's the young lad they've got, Johnson, he, he's been injured as well. So Sufal's suspended as well. Oh, is he? Boxing day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. well, that's that's a good thing as well for us. So yeah, they, it, it depends what team they put out and, and what what mindset we have. I mean, I'm, I'm never one for looking at, you know, we haven't won there since... 1982 or whatever but the last two or three games have up there have followed a pattern where we've we've just been battered and and we have a lot of the same players so they have to get that out of their head if the game does go ahead and and go there and try and try and put on a decent performance but it's it it still seems for us to be a very very difficult place to go so uh, i certainly wouldn't be expecting anything put it that way can i trouble you both for a score prediction then steve um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going for improvement. It's that Steve but, sigh again, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> in, 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 improvement, but not quite, not quite getting the job done. So probably one nil, one nil defeat. Okay, Glenn. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be optimistic as it's Christmas. Um, I'll go for a, t- <laughs> I'll go for a two-all draw again. Okay, all right, we'll take that. Two all all over the place. Then it moves on to, or attentions move on to Tottenham, which is Tuesday. That's the 28th. That's the bank holidays, and it's a three o'clock kickoff. As we mentioned earlier, the first game this season to sell out. If it goes ahead, you know there'll be a full a full crowd at St Mary's, which uh, which should help. That's going to be um, well. They had a good result this weekend, Steve. What have you made of of their form recently? Well, I mean, we haven't seen them play for about three months, have we? Um, yeah, <laughs> basically every every game's been off, hasn't it? I mean, I wonder if that that spell off has kind of given the given Conte a, an opportunity to to mould the team into some sort of proper functioning system rather than the the one that we saw. I mean, even even the early games under under him, we we we've seen them go like full halves without a single shot. And mm. you think, I mean, this this is a side that's got two world class centre forwards, and yet they just provide them with pretty much zero service. Um, I mean, judging by today, I mean, they, they created a lot of chances today against, against Liverpool. I mean, Van Dijk wasn't there and, and, and you could tell um, because there was a, there was a gaping hole at the, the center of their defense, but yeah, I mean, Spurs, Spurs are going to be, they're going to be a challenge. They're still, they're still a good side. They're still a good crop of players, even under, under bad managers. They've, they've beaten us before. So I wouldn't, nec- I certainly wouldn't put us as, put us as favorites. Um, but it, it's one of those where you kind of see see how the land lies after the Boxing Day games. I mean, it may well be that um, Spurs have got play, more players that are, that are knackered after that game than we have. Hmm. I mean, by the sound of it, it's. I mean, this is the game that's that's potentially the one that they'll 
as we said earlier, the one that they'll bin off till later in the season. And not sh- not sure who whether that suits us or not. To be honest, I mean, I, they wait I, till Stuart Armstrong's fit, and then uh, that, once that'd he's be fit, fine. We'll, we'll but then, but then, him. but then we do have to fit it in this season. So, <laughs> um, but it's. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I just find it absolutely bonkers that the Premier League is is genuinely asking teams to play two games in in two days. Do you think squad um, rotation will come into play then, Glenn, for this one? Assuming that both the games go ahead, is it we're going to see some some different faces, I guess? It's bound to. It's bound to. Maybe not so much for us because we just don't have, you know, we don't have a, have a huge squad, but we have more this year than we, we have in previous years. So, yeah, so maybe you might see the likes of, you know, Roman Perot might might play a game who's uh, not been involved much recently. As we say, Tino Tino needs a rest. He does. We've, he we've, does. we've got we've got to give him we've got to give him a week off at some point. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we may we may see some um, some different players from us and Spurs. I mean, Conte doesn't seem to have a settled team at the moment, um, particularly in midfield. He seems to pick different midfields every week. So I mean, Deli Ali played his first game today, um, and Dombele's played one. Hoiberg's played a couple. Harry Winks has played a couple. So they, they seem to be swapping players all over the place and, and swapping formation. So there's still obviously a work in progress under the new manager. Very convenient mm-hmm. of them. Yeah, as Steve said, to be able to um to be able to uh you know work work on a few things. Not not that I'm cynical or anything like that. <laughs> but um <laughs> Although it was annoying that Kane should have been sent off today and didn't get sent off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's always always the way when you're England captain. Do you remember when mm. um, Alan Shearer volleyed Neil Lennon's head down <laughs> on the line? I'm England captain. You can't send me off for that. Oh, okay. So I don't know. I don't know what Spurs what Spurs would turn up, but it's it's certainly a game that you know we don't have to go in with any inferiority complex. They could be good. They could be rubbish. But we've got to handle Son Heung Min a lot better mm. than we normally do because he's the one that causes us all the problems. Yeah. Um, Looking forward to the, to the insanely high line that we play. The high line yeah. against Spurs and getting caught yeah. on the yeah, getting caught but out we, again. You know, we got we got done because of that, um, and because we were a very slow defence last year. I mm. mean, whatever we put out on the pitch, it will be quicker. So hopefully our recovery will be better. Hopefully we won't play as high, and hopefully we'll handle Son Young Min a lot better than we did um, certainly in the home game last season. But he, you know, he, he did for us in the away game as well. And let's hope if he dives this time that the referee um the referee it, spots yeah. it and uh but yeah, I won't I don't know who the referee is, I don't know if it's been appointed yet. But uh yeah, that always seems to be a bit of an issue when we play Spurs. Let's we, get we, predictions we... for Spurs then. There's a lot that could and may happen between now and that game. Got no idea who's gonna be starting, if the game's gonna be going ahead. Steve, what do you reckon? Uh, I, appreciate, I appreciate it's like plucking numbers out of the air for yeah. this. Um <laughs> to be honest, knackered players, nil nil. Glenn? I'll go for a, for a streaky 1-0 win. I'm being very optimistic today. Let's just hope we can all get out of the house, get some yeah. fresh air and watch some football. Quick word on the women's team, by the way. Great week for them because they won in the, the FA Cup, beating Portsmouth 2-1. And uh, I think they won in the league as well, Steve. Happy days. Yeah. I, found, I did find it odd that, that Pompey chose to play the, the league game at Fratton Park and the cup game at, at Wesley Park, at, which is having the Waterlooville's ground, um, when you'd have thought that the prestige would have made you switch that around. But either either way, no, two two great wins, but but very, very tight, very close fought, which I think given the budgets, the respective budgets, I think probably we would have expected to have win, won both of those games a little bit more comfortably. But I mean, the, the old cliches of Derby games being a bit of a leveller and, and that sort of thing come to the fore to an extent, but got the job done eventually. So yeah, yeah we'll, all good. We'll, we'll take it. 
Put a smile on my face anyway. That's good. <laughs> Almost it for episode 180. Before we finish, though, um, just time for our weekly patron shouts. And we start with a new signing. And I've got a lovely message which says, I'm wishing my dad, Nigel Swatridge, a very Merry Christmas. And as an early Christmas present, I'm delighted to have signed him up as a TSP Bobby Stokes patron. We both love the podcast which is nice to hear. We find it a great way to share in our own saints thoughts and emotions and look forward to supporting it further over the coming months. So dad, Merry Christmas from me. Enjoy the early Christmas present and welcome to the TSP patron community. And that is from Chris. So uh, lovely message. Thank you, Chris. And welcome uh, Nigel, who's uh, Chris's dad. To find out more about becoming a TSP patron and the benefits that come with it, do check out the website. And thanks as always to our Matt Letizier tier patrons. That's Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy and Phil Cook. Uh, also, Nick Reed, who's in our Francis Benali tier. My thanks to Steve and to Glenn. Happy Christmas to you both, chaps. So, Steve, you're away, Indeed, right, for Christmas? First time? Uh, yep, yeah, yeah. Christmas Day on the beach. It's going to be gonna be uh, different, but comfortable, hopefully. Christmas Day yeah. on Western Shore, Glenn? What's, uh, yeah, I was just, <laughs> just, about, just about to say that. Looking, <laughs> looking for the site of the old seaweed hut on Western Shore, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll pop down there. I might, might take a walk around. You know, I'll, got walk, I'll get the job of walking the dogs on uh, Christmas morning. So, uh, yeah, I might uh, push the boat out and go to uh, Royal Victoria Country Park. But uh, other than that, I won't be in Dubai. I'll be in Hedge End. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, thank you both um, for your contributions and and uh, yeah, have a great Christmas. Don't forget to follow this podcast wherever you're listening. And you can always get in touch on the socials. It's at Total Saints Pod. You'll find us on Twitter and Facebook. You can drop us an email via the website. Thanks as always for listening. Thank you if you've been watching live tonight. Stay safe. Uh, enjoy whatever football we get. And have a fantastic Christmas. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com and there it is that's as good as it gets on this stage nissan townstar ev strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty and with a bench full of all-star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all-star quality search nissan townstar ev and visit your local all-star van center to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.